0: great emotions for this man um, I read you that passage in second Timothy because I watched him live that out in my life he really truly did treat me like a son but he treated me as a son that he knew that God had raised up and he entrusted me with truth and I wasn't any piece of cake um, this was not an easy job yeah he's and down here <laughs> This was years, years of chiseling and working away at uh, very hard men. Um, but these verses have been precious to me through the years because as I watched Jerry do these in my life, and then thus, in turn, work with many of you trying to uh, do this same truth with your life. Now, I'm very grateful. I give all the praise to my Lord and Savior who saved me. But God uses people in our lives, doesn't He? He brings people into our lives to give us uh, an understanding of truth, and, and Jerry did that. I thought maybe I'd share just a few practical things and then a few spiritual things before I bring him up. Um, Jerry, first of all, I met him my sophomore year in high school, and he was actually my basketball coach. And uh, I grew up playing ball, as many of you know, and played for many, many years. But most coaches, they, they're not overly concerned with your spiritual life, <laughs> they wanna win. And Jerry loved to win, just like anybody else, but he actually was investing in athletes' lives. And there was such a difference between him and so many coaches that I had that um, I became very attracted to him, and it caused us to get together later. He also was a great baseball player. He played uh, a lot of baseball, and um, he has a son that played in the minor leagues, and so we connected there. Our families, a baseball family as well. He taught me to, ro- I roped my first calf and ran my first calf with you, Jerry. I don't know if you remember that. Um, tied him to a pole in the middle of the corral and uh, that was the first time I'd ever been there. He- I ran my first chainsaw with him. I cleaned out my first sewer with you and then you came later to clean my sewer out with me. Do you remember that? Just men who loved Christ together that did so much together that he taught me to be a man. He taught me how to care for people and to do that. The spiritual aspects are too much to list, but let me give you just some things that I hope you've seen here that came through the ministry of Jerry to me. Uh, one of the things that he did constantly, besides entrusting me with things so I would teach faithful men, is he shared ministry with me. He, he allowed me a stumbling, bumbling young man who thought he had his theology together, he let me preach. Some of my worst sermons ever were preached, (laughs) and Jerry would say, well, okay, well, that was okay, (laughs) And, and he was kind, but he shared the ministry with me. He took me to funerals. He took me to hospitals, and he taught me how to love the flock, and I am forever grateful for that. One of the greatest sayings he ever said to me one day as he drove out of Fort Bidwell and left me there to pastor the church, he said, Scott, have short accounts. You're gonna sin. Repent quickly. The church needs that. It needs a man who will repent and will be open with his sins and be right with God and quickly do those things. And I've never forgot those terms, Jerry. Short accounts, short accounts. Take care of your sin quickly before your savior. He taught me one of the greatest biblical counseling truths that I have used to this day, and if you've been in my office and spent time with me, you will hear this term. If it's sin, there's an answer for it. Jesus died for sin. He didn't die for blame shifting the other person. Deal with sin, there's an answer for it. Some of the greatest biblical counseling I've ever had was that term. Most people will come and they wanna blame their marriage, blame their problems on somebody else. Jesus didn't die for blame-shifting. He died for sin. And Jerry taught me that, and he began to help me learn to counsel people and bring them towards the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and how they find forgiveness. He taught me to shepherd, and he did this in many ways through cattle and sheep and, and just learning the way God designed the world. And then he would incorporate that into people's lives. How do you do this? How do you care for people? One of the ways he did that is he taught me to gather people I know some of you, I drive crazy because I'm always gathering people. Let's come over. Let's do a sunrise service together. Let's, Let's have a meeting. Let's pray. Let's get together. Jerry taught me to gather people. Get them together. Don't let people get isolated and move away and stay by themselves. They'll die there. Get them together. Congregate them. And I've been doing that ever since. He taught me the value of church planning, going places where there aren't biblical teaching churches, and find a few people and start preaching there. And we did that for many years. He taught me camp ministries, where we really got our feet wet with, with Jerry and camp ministry. Gina went to camp as a, as a junior hire, and, um, and then later we were married, and we were directors of a Bible camp that Jerry helped start and run for many years and still is involved to this day. Jerry married Gina and I. He counseled us and married us. And we served with him before we were married and we served with him after. The list just goes on and on for how grateful I am that God would put a man in my life that would hold me accountable and help me love Jesus and his word. And so um, it's a great honor to share Jerry with you and I pray that you'll stick around and come up and greet him afterwards and I pray that the Lord will use his words through the word of God as he preached to you. Jerry, come share the word with us.
1: I absolutely have no idea who he was talking about. <laughs> you all have Bible I said, You all, for her back there who said I had an accent. There you are. She said, Where are you from? You have an accent. I'm from Redding, California. <laughs> she had an accent but I didn't turn with me to Hebrews and uh, we're gonna work through some scripture together and then we'll um you, you saw this little outline on this little blue piece of paper I tell you what I'm glad you're still here because if I ever walk in church and the pastor has six points I'm figuring I'm not getting out of there for like three hours. And I'll promise you I'll only hold it to two. <laughs> okay, never, never, never mind. Okay. I started a series uh, uh, in a church I preach at um, on a subject that was just kind of, I don't know. It was just interesting me. I was trying to figure it out. A life pleasing to God. Can we please God with our lives? And oftentimes our view of God is something that, well, you know, I'm a sinner and, and, uh, and He's a great and awesome God and uh, he's, he, he can save me. But can I live a life that He goes, wow, that really pleases me. I'm really happy with that. I'm excited for you. I'm excited that you're doing that. And pleasing God. And I thought, you know. And so I went to my computer. I I have one. I I have a computer out there where I live in the country. Actually, we live in town, but that's okay. And uh, I I plugged in um, Bible, pleasing God. Yeah, try it sometime. And uh, oh, my, all this stuff came up. and, and, And on this one site, it was just all references, biblical references to... This pleases God, or God was pleased with this, and if you're going to please God, and that sort of thing, and and so that, that just began my thinking and and uh, saying, oh, well, what is, how is this, and in this whole subject, and so I began to work through that and begin to preach some sermons and and trying to learn some things that I'd never understood and and never really took to heart, and and then I got down toward the end, and of course uh, in Hebrews here, um. You, you you start. You, you think about. You turn to references, and one of them is, uh, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God." So with faith, it is, it is possible to please God. And so that led me to Hebrews chapter eleven, the the big faith chapter in the Scripture, and all these men and people, and uh, that uh, lived faith, and they were pleasing to God. And so. Uh, that led me into digging into the chapter, and and then finally I narrowed it down to this little stretch that I've given you this morning on Moses. And now, you got, you kind of got to understand me. I, I'm I, I'm not real academic. Um. I believe we should send people off to seminary and I believe we should send them off to Bible school and I believe they should be well taught in the church and I believe God leads men to uh, get our doctrine straight and all those things. But for most of us, as they teach us and we listen to them and we try to get our our, our, our doctrine and our, our truths in a proper perspective so we don't err, but most of us need to be able to turn to the scripture and say, Let's see, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, I have the Holy Spirit in my life, and I have the Word of God, and I have a church body around me. Now, if I open my Bible and begin to read it, can can, can I understand it, and can I kind of dig into it myself? And, I, and, and I've been talking to Scott, Scott's been sharing me all the wonderful, neat things that are going on here, and, and you're digging in the Word, and you're doing all kinds of wonderful stuff, and I'm... Please, And I'm happy to be here. But uh, one of the things I wanted to show you was this little passage in Hebrews 11, uh, starting with verse 23, just about Moses, is one of those little passages that as you read it, you can just go right down through the verses and you can pick out. um, If you take the subject of faith, you can just pick out almost in each verse what faith does or is or the results of it. And you're going to see it for yourself, and it's a it's a cool little study. And then, so I I bring it to you this morning with six points. Uh, we'll hit on them a little bit um, on each one, if if I can. Um, but I may weigh it a little heavy toward the beginning, and and then we all run out of here before I get to the end. I don't know, but um, turn with me to it, and I just I want to bring some things to your attention, and then we'll reminisce a little bit, and we'll talk about how this has been applied in my life, and maybe it's gotten Gina's life and their boy's life. And, and um, it's an important part of Scripture. You learn something about faith and a faith life. Um, I, I have entitled it, Pleasing Our Savior, Living Beyond Sight. And one of the great things God has done for us when we come to Him in faith and trust Him is to give us the opportunity to live out a life of faith a life of trusting god victory in jesus oh scott gave a, a couple of my to the song people a couple of my favorite song victory in jesus hey that wraps it up there's victory in jesus there's victory over sin there's victory over turmoil there's victory over death there's victory for eternal life there's victory in jesus And i, I love that song and and the way you've done it with did it was absolutely wonderful Love your songs. Turn with me here to verse 23. And you can take your pen, and if you mark up your Bible, or you can do it here on this little piece of paper, and you start reading, uh, if you get into the beginning of the chapter, we won't go to it, but in verse 6 it says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those that seek Him. So, if you want to please God, you live by faith. That's one of the ways to please God, by trusting him, by believing his word, but not only believing in our head, but moving it out in our actions, putting it into everyday practice, okay? So when we start here, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's eating. The first thing I saw when I read that is faith has a heritage. There's a heritage in faith. Moses just didn't pop up, his parents were not afraid of the kings. They they stepped out and they hid the little bugger. They wrapped him up in in, in a basket. And And you know the story and we won't go back through it. But faith has a heritage. And doesn't it? When Moses led those people, Moses wanted to get them into the promised land. And one of the sad stories in Scripture is that Moses didn't get to go in with the people in the Promised Land, but Joshua did. Who do you think was Joshua's mentor? Huh? Joshua didn't all of a sudden was faithful. He he had, he had been mentored under Moses, and so Joshua ends up leading him in. And and I think as I as I try to picture myself as as being in the shoes of Moses and having to put up with those people for 40 years, and all the misery that they caused him and, and all the trouble that he had and, and his faithlessness sometimes, and yet he gets him to the door, and he can't, he can't take him through it. But I believe that he had a great joy when he saw Joshua take him in, because Joshua was his study. And he took them in. Faith has a heritage. If you've been privileged enough to be raised in a home where parents trusted Christ, what a wonderful thing that is. We build on those things. My grandpa and grandma, my, just a little family history, uh, farmer, rancher, um, on my mom's side, three daughters, uh, four daughters in five years. And my mom was the youngest one, and uh, <clears throat> so he was raising them out on the ranch, and and then they, uh, a few years later, they got they had a son, and he was the apple of my grandfather's eye. He was a wonderful kid by all his history and family records. He was a wonderful kid. He grew up. He was uh, a, a, a breeder of animals and 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 raising uh, excellent stock. He was a horseman. Uh, he was intelligent, he uh, became a lieutenant in, uh, in the army and uh, entered World War II. A, ran- a, a, a grandpa or a dad who had four daughters and then finally the son that was going to take over the ranch ranching didn't make it through World War II. Following his death, a flood came and took off uh, part, of the, part of the ranch and uh, the very um, uh, rich part of the orchards and, and things, and, and that flood kind of wiped out the ranch. And, of course, I wasn't born yet. I didn't know all these things. I learned them from history. But who was it when I was in junior high that was my Sunday school teacher? It was my grandfather. I never heard a bitter word from him about the loss of his son. I never heard bitterness about the loss of the, of the, of the flood from the flood when I was in junior college um, I I played baseball and I didn't have a car at the time and so I had to live in town and I lived in town with my grandpa and grandma and I spent a lot of evenings with them and they'd sit and talk and he he developed a bunch of stuff, he did a kiddie land, he did a a recreation park in Redding and a lot of things, he became a county supervisor and all that kind of stuff which is all good but not germane here to what I'm talking about he as I spent evenings with them I never heard a bitter word about the loss of their son. I never heard any bitterness about the past. I always heard, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What a heritage. What a heritage. And you have an opportunity, if you're a believer here, and if you have children or people that you influence around, it, you have a responsibility. You have a privilege of leading them in a faith walk and if you got and if you're questioning God and if, and if you've got bitterness in your heart and and if, and if you're if you're doubting God and it shows up in your conversations and your actions huh those that can follow you they go wow maybe this, maybe this doesn't work out so good maybe this doesn't work out so well what well, i I often look back and think in my in those formative years when I was in junior uh, at junior college, what if those evenings were spent with my grandpa talking about how awful it was and how bitter it was to lose his only son? And if they sat around in the evening and talked about those things, and what a bad hand they'd been dealt with in life. No. No, that's not how they taught. They talked about the grace of God and the mercy of God and how awesome it was to uh, to follow God, and they encouraged me to do that as well. We we have a chance to mentor people, and Scott says some awful kind things. Uh, some of them were true, most of them were embellished. He has a way of embellishing. You maybe never knew that. But uh, I met Gina. She was an eighth grader up at camp, uh, at junior high camp. She was in the eighth grade. And and she's going through it. Her family was going through it, and uh, had an opportunity to have a ministry in her life at that point in time. And then later, um, in coaching, I come acquainted with Scott, and I, I love Gina, and, and and then I love Scott. But then when I see Scott take Gina, I thought, oh, poor Gina. I just, <laughs> I, just I just, I just said, oh, Lord, help that girl. Isn't the Lord good it isn't the Lord good that he just takes good old fashioned clay footed people sinners and heaps his grace and mercy on them and uses us in his kingdom for by grace are we saved through faith you know it's a gift of God it's not of ourselves but the next verse is He's prepared works for us. Oh, I, I, that's awesome that he gives us that. Um, so there's a heritage uh, in faith. And we can, we can, we can start that heritage. Maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe some friends have invited you to come here and you've been looking at me. Like, you guys are weird. You go to church every Sunday and, you, you know, you're kind of weird. And you say, well, come on, guys. So you come to church with them and, and you come in here and there's a bunch of people singing. The top of their voices singing these songs and acting like they're having a good time you know and and uh, they are and you look at that and you go what's that all about well i'll tell you what jesus is inviting you to take a faith walk step out and trust him and, and see what life's about when uh, when you're trusting jesus look at uh, hebrews chapter 12 just flip over a page on sure. Verse 12, I mean, chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand on of, of the throne of God. There's joy in following the Lord. There is. There's excitement. There's danger and trouble and heartache. But there's joy through all that in living by faith. Living by faith. Well, let's look at the next verse by faith Moses when he had grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to endure the ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin there's a choices in faith you see the sovereign will of God always acts in concert with the responsibility of our own decisions our responsibility to make decisions now were the children of Israel, or coming out of Egypt, the Hebrews, were they going to get to the promised land? Yes. Were they going to get the Ten Commandments and all the law? Yes, they were. Was God going to see them through? Yes, they were. Well, if Moses gets cold feet and doesn't do it, God's going to still get it accomplished. But Moses has the opportunity to make choices in, in that. And, and just look at that Verse. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Look at the opportunity he had. Look, look, he had all the wealth and fame and power that you could have as a royal person in Egypt. And he said, "Uh, nope. What's that next verse say? Choosing... Rather to endure the ill-treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Young people, let me tell you this. You can have a faith heritage. Your parents can be faithful to the Lord, and you can grow up watching that. And you can grow up enjoying a home that may not be perfect, but... The husband and wife, your mom and dad, love each other, and they follow the Lord, and they and they they sin and they problem, they confess, and they and and they go on in life, and and you can tell that they have a faith walk with Jesus. But there comes a day when you have to choose. It's not your parents' faith any longer. That'll only take you so far, but it won't take you very far. It can get you to introduction to Christ. It can get you to to introduction to his word. It can get you to introduction to to other Christian friends and influences. But there comes a day when you have to look at the Lord Jesus yourself and you say I'm not going to take the passing pleasures of sin over a life of Christ. That's what Moses does here. By faith Moses when he had grown up Refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You could put a little plaque on your office or over your kitchen or, 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 or wherever there's a good plaque place to put a plaque. And you could put, this would be really sad, but you could put, I choose to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I choose to enjoy the passing pleasures of this world you could do that and sometimes that happens not many people put that plaque up but all the rest of us can read it it's still there because that's the choice you make but what did Moses do? choosing rather to endure the ill treatment he not only goes from not having Prestige and power and wealth and fame, he goes from that to the ill treatment with the people of God, rather to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, there's a couple of things that are pretty interesting. One of them, it says, "pleasures of sin." The Bible makes no uh, de, is not de, never denies that sin is not fun for a season. Selfishness and all all that brings. No, it says. But it says those are passing pleasures; they'll fade away. The choice that we can make is to. Moses made was a very clear choice. You know, today I. <laughs> um, we, we we let's be careful with our children and other young people that we work with. That they understand what it means to be a Christian. What it means to follow Christ. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not just when you I come to Christ when I was about six. Okay? And so hear me when I say this. It it is not just, well, when you were six or ten or eleven or, or whenever, you'd ask that Jesus into your heart so you're saved and you can go live however you want to live. No you you can you can have a false idea of what it means to be saved now that if if with that you say when you ask Jesus in your heart if if you explain what that means is that means Jesus becomes the uh the focal point the leader the the lord in your life you're you're trusting him with your life that's what it means to believe in scriptural terms to believe is to trust him trust him but uh, it's pretty easy in this whole world to, to uh, uh, say things that sound Christian, but in our heart there's not. My favorite ad on TV right now, and if you watch a lot of sports, which I do, uh, my favorite ad is the three ladies, and, and, and what, her name's Beatrice, I think, and, and she's talking about insurance, or, or the, and she says, uh, I went on vacation, I saved a ton of time because I posted the pictures on my wall. You've seen that one. And and she points at the wall. And she's got all these vacation pictures up there. And this other little old lady goes, oh, I like that one. You know? And, and then this other lady sitting over here says, they're talking about saving money on insurance. And the other lady says, well, I save more than that half the time. And this Beatrice looks at her and says, I unfriend you. <laughs> and, and it just is, you've got to watch it. Because then this older lady that gets unfriended stands up and she says that's not how it works that's not how any of this works see the one lady's got life all figured out you know you put the pictures on your wall it's not the Facebook wall but she puts them on her wall she unfriends the gal you know she's got all the terminology she's got all but the other lady knows that that's not how it works that's not how any of this works and every time I watch that and I think about that, I think about that a spiritual application of that. You know, you can come to church, you can, you, you can do a lot of religious things, but if, if your life isn't given over to Christ, that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. And it doesn't work. And you stay with it. And we see people that stay with it for a time. And, and, and they'll even say, you know, I tried Christianity, but it didn't work didn't work out for you you didn't get what you wanted no that's not what it's about trusting God with our life it's not how it works it's not how this works I love that Ed uh, it's choices it's not only that initial choice of faith but it's continued choice. look at all the choices Moses had to keep making with these people and that's the way it is in life you start out of life by faith by choosing to follow the Lord and then he's going to give you another test and another test and another test and James tells us the testing of our faith is, is more precious than gold why? so we can make another faith decision I'm going to trust God in that I'm going to trust him in that, it's in my marriage it's in my business, it's in, 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 at school it's in witnessing, it's in, it's in whatever it is, you make the application, God's will here I'm going to trust in it you step out in faith and it's, it's great, it's joy well anyway, let's keep going Verse twenty-six. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. See, you go down through these verses. He was he was hidden, and then he was choosing, and now he was looking for the reward. Faith always has a forward look. Always has a forward look. Really does. Life sometimes deals with some pretty tough circumstances. We can think of overseas and we can think of other countries where they're martyring Christians and killing uh, pastors' wives and, and uh, just all kinds of horrible things. And each one of those Christians has to make a choice to continue to be faithful to God. And they're doing that. They're doing that by the thousands, tens of thousands. In places where there's persecution, they're making another choice of faith. They're in some tremendous uh, persecution and terrible circumstances. But right here at home, we we, we end up with sometimes some real difficult things dealt to us. You know, I, I always go back to just that one little phrase that's in Scripture. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. What's that mean? It means when you become a Christian, God doesn't all of a sudden put an umbrella over your head that protects you from cancer or protects you from any kind of disease or doesn't protect you from circumstances of life, from starvation or, or a hurricane or a tornado. Yeah, our Midwest, you look at it and you go, I've got friends that live in Missouri and it just scares me to death for them sometimes. Life can deal with some pretty heavy stuff. God says, through that, there is a reward. Ultimately, there's eternity with Jesus. And that is, we have faith has to keep that in mind. You can say in the flesh, you can say, Why me, Lord? Or, in faith, you can say, why not me, Lord? Why not me? I I, I can handle the persecution in you. I I, want to trust you. If somebody's going to have a terrible physical malady or disease, we could, say, we could say, why me, Lord? Or we could say, why not me? I'll be faithful through this. I would have never asked for it, but I have it. And here I am in these life circumstances. I have a son whose wife left him. Just stop and left him. Why, why, why me, Lord? Well, or, if that's going to happen, and I can be a faithful follower of you through that, then why not me, rather than somebody else? Why not not me? I'll be faithful through life circumstances. So maybe that's a little something you want to write down somewhere. You can either say, why me, Lord? Or, why not me? Disappointments have come. Heartache comes. But we can say to the Lord, okay, Lord, I'm going to use this as an opportunity To speak of your glory. To praise you. To hold you up. People around me, through your strength and your grace, people around me will be encouraged by my faithfulness. Yeah, and they are. And they are. So, it's not why me, Lord. It's why not me. In verse 27... It says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. A walk of faith. Hear me out here. The walk of faith. always. There's always going to be fear. Fear is just a natural consequence of stepping where you haven't been and don't know what the results are going to be. Could be a move, it could be a marriage, it could be whatever. Stepping out on faith, but oh, the joy of stepping out on faith! You know, sometimes we, I, you know, we look in, in John there, and Peter steps out of the boat and walks in the water, and and, and we think about him sinking because he got his eyes off Jesus. I don't think about him sinking because he got his eyes off Jesus. I think about those first few steps when he got to walk on water. course he's gonna sink. You know, when you get your eyes off the Lord, of course you're gonna sink. But you know what? What was these buddies doing? They were sitting in the stinking boat. Going, oh yeah. You know what they talked about when they got back home? I you didn't know this. I I I get these visions. <laughs> you know what they they talked about when they got back home? They they sat around and said, man, I wish I'd have stepped out of the boat. Man, I wish I'd have walked on that water. That must have been. Peter. What was that like? Oh man, it was great. I mean, my first few steps, I, I didn't even get my sandals wet. Well, what happened? Well, you know, then I started sinking because I got my eyes off the Lord. But hey, I got out of the boat. You know what? It's fun to get out of the boat and walk with the Lord. It's fun to step out in a new territory with Jesus, because there's rewards in that. There's there's not only a eternal reward. There's present day rewards. There's not only a a a heaven and an eternity with Christ. There are there is joy and rewards right here on this earth for stepping out in faith. And, And you could get if we'd open this up and start talking about having a sharing time, you'd probably spend the next two hours talking about what what a thrill it was and what a joy it was. When, when you trusted God for this or that or the other thing, and how He answered that, and how, how walking with Him has, just, has brought joy into your life. And oftentimes, it's really terrible circumstances, and, and things we would never choose for ourselves. But, when we walk through faith with Him, there's a joy in it. There's a present joy to take us through it. say, oh, Lord, this is agony, but, but I'm trusting you in it. And I thank you for being here with me. And then as you, as you get victory over it, because there is victory in Jesus, you, as, you, as you get through it, you look back and you go, wow, I'm glad I trusted the Lord. Or sometimes, and I, I'll tell, I, can, I can write a book on this, of times when you don't trust the Lord. And you go, oh, I should have trusted the Lord. I, I, I know it. I... I heard his voice. I I knew, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And that's sad. And it's sad in my own life. You preach the word. You stand in front of people. You 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 share your life with a young man or young woman or whatever. And uh, and then you you come to something that you're supposed to do and the Lord wants you to do it and you don't do it. And you go, oh man. But you know what? You just keep short accounts. You you admit it, you confess it, and go on with life. Because it's, it's not much fun not to walk in faith. There, there's great rewards for walking in faith. There's a, there's a future joy, but there is a Present joy. Come back to fear again. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured him as seeing who was unseen. There is, there is power in faith. There's power over uh, fear. Don't let, don't let fear stop you. Recognize it's there, but recognize there's, a, there's another day. If I step out with the Lord, um, it's, it's, there's going to be joy in that. Well, look at verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover. I love this passage of Scripture because it's one of those passages of Scripture that you can just sit down and follow the verbs through it and see what's happening. And it just shows you, it gives you a good description of, of all the things, or not all of them, but a number of the things that a faith life does. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood. Hey, Moses, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to kill a lamb. Tell each family to kill a lamb. And take the blood and put it on the sides of your doors. And the death angel is going to wreak havoc in Egypt, but it's going to leave your family alone. Oh, really? (laughs) That's dumb. By all means of our thinking, that's stupid. A lamb, blood on my doorpost, and a death angel is not going to come to my house. I don't believe it, I'm not going to do it. Well, that would have been a bad choice. Or, I'm going to say, well, maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense. The way I've been raised, the way I've been taught, the way I even read the Bible when I was young. Maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to to put that blood over my door well, what is the Passover a picture of? It's a picture of Jesus going to the cross for us. And you may have been raised in a home or in a culture where you were taught that if you wanted to find favor with God, you had to do this and do that and do the next thing and see if you could be good enough to please God. And you get to read in the Bible, and it says, well, Jesus Christ went to the cross for you. And what you do is you believe that. You trust that. You put your life, you stake your life on the fact that he died for you. Your sins are forgiven, not because you get better or did better or do better. Your sins are forgiven because Jesus took them to the cross. Love your songs. All speak of that. And, and, and maybe that's foreign for you from your culture or your background. Well, shouldn't I have to do this or shouldn't I... I mean, how can God just forgive me? Well, go back to the Gospels and see him in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's, that word is crushing, the Garden of Crushing. It's because they crushed the olives there and they crushed the grapes. I mean, there. And Jesus went to that garden to be crushed. And I firmly believe. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a theologian, but to me, the victory was won for you and I in the garden. I think the the crown of thorns and the beatings and the the nails in his hands and the sword in his side and the, the agony of the cross paled if I may say this paled in comparison to the garden when, when, there's three accounts in the, gosp, in the Gospels of that they talk about sweating drops of blood he talks about he can't stand up can't get his breath He tells his disciples, I have sorrow unto death. If Jesus said he had sorrow, clear to that sorrow brings him right to the very verge of dying, then I I believe that's what it does. And what was it? He was going to become sin for us. Can you you imagine the, the creator, God of this universe? Son of God, taking on every vile, awful sin of the human race. Not just saying, I did it for it. The scripture says, he became sin for us. From the holy, righteous God to all of the sin that could ever be committed. That's quite a change. That's quite a load. That's quite a burden. There's not, I don't even know words to describe what that must have been. And that's why the scriptures give us plain indication that he finally said to his father. You can do all things. Let's come up with another way. What could bring the son of man Jesus to that? The fact that he was going to become sin for you and I. But there's victory in Jesus. Because he doesn't end his sentence there. He says, but not my will, but yours. And the scripture I read there in Hebrews, it says, He endured the cross, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He went through with it. He went through with it for us. And I just praise God to hear from Scott and Gina how how Jesus is held up here. His, his sacrifice is held up for us. The gospel of Christ. You know, there's a lot of neat things that we could talk about in in the Christian experience. And we need to be educated on all the things that Scripture tells us. But at the center of all has to be the cross. And and it thrills me beyond what what you might understand to know that Scott and Gina and the boys live that out in their life. They live that out in their life. Not perfectly. Don't know anybody that does but by God's grace they're faithful uh, to that provision of faith and I just suggested make an invitation to you this morning that that if you've never come before Christ and said you know what I need to trust you I need to give my life to you I need your forgiveness I need you to take care of my sin I don't know it seems it seems too simple It's like killing the lamb and putting the blood over the doorpost there in Egypt. I don't know how much sense all that makes. But that's what God's word says. And so today, where I sit, I'm going to say, Lord, from this day forward, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to share that decision with a friend of mine. Let him know that I'm no no longer on the outside. I want to be your son. Your daughter. I want to be in the family of God. I want to live by faith. I want to trust you. Then uh, let's go to verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea. You know what I like about that phrase? It's not the passing through the Red Sea. It's the they. That's what I like about that. You see, when you step out in faith and you follow the Lord, there's a procession of faith. That's why I said that. The procession of faith is in verse 29. One of the great joys of uh, of following Christ is seeing other people come to Christ. To seeing their sins being forgiven. The burden lifted. The joy that comes on a life that that knows that they've been forgiven and, and that the Father, Creator God of this universe loves them and the Son has died for them and, and all is well. That's how it works. That's how it really works. It, it, there's a procession. And I, and I would suggest again to young people, there's a lot of exciting and wonderful things that you can do in this life and you can look forward to them. And it could be ball or it could be music or it could be business. It could, I don't care what your name, what your, what your thing is. But there isn't anything like seeing people come to Christ because you've shared it with them. You've lived it with them. Everything pales in comparison to that. Everything as much as we can get excited about competing in a sport or competing in a music event or competing in a rodeo event or whatever it might be as much as that excitement is and the adrenaline flows and and, and it's so exciting I can't remember the winners of last year so much of the time but I can remember People who came to Christ, you see. Maybe I forget who won the World Series. Maybe I forget. Hey, but I don't forget who won the Kentucky Derby and also the Belmont Stakes, huh? Huh? California Chrome, huh? Is that cool? It is to me. I did. I just get a kick out of a ten thousand dollar horse whooping the tar out of ten million dollar horses. I don't know. I just. uh, That that, is that just gets me excited I like that but the thrill of victory speaking from a human perspective on all the things sports or whatever it pales in comparison to have people following you into the kingdom Moses what a, what a thrill for Moses to lead those people out of Egypt into the promise well he didn't get them to the promised land But what a thrill it was to get them out of Egypt and following God. Now, they didn't didn't all appreciate all time what he was doing. They didn't all live by faith like he'd like them to live by. And that's the way it is in ministry. But introducing them to Christ and discipling him, bringing them along in a life of the Lord, that's exciting. Well, let me just say this. I appreciate your body I'll be praying for the body Um, appreciate the ministry appreciate some of the hard times that you've all gone through some of you have really gone through appreciate those things God, God, God likes to put us put us through the ring and we could say why me Lord or we could say why not me I want to be faithful one of the lessons that I always have taught teenagers when I have a chance to speak to them is the lesson of David, killing Goliath. David wasn't probably the little boy that you see in the picture book of David. In fact, they tried to put David's armor, uh, or uh, Saul's armor on David. Saul was head and shoulders above the average person. They tried to put his armor on David. Now, that would be silly if you brought a 12-year-old boy in and you Took his armor and put on, and went. Plus, as you go on reading the story, it would also it doesn't make sense because when David gets ready to fight Goliath, and they said, "Hey, are you up for this?" You know what he says? I was tending my father's sheep, and a bear came along, and I killed it. And then a lion came along, and I killed him. Now this uncircumcised Philistine, he don't look so tough to me. Why doesn't it look so tough? Because I've already killed a lion, I've always killed a bear. You see, stepping out with God, it's built on being faithful. If you're faithful, in fact, that whole story about when when David brings his food up to his brothers who were, uh, and this got him into the whole battle, uh, it says he left his sheep, his father's sheep tended. He left his. a chariot or whatever it was, he left it tended. He he took he was faithful in what God gave him. He's faithful in the bear, killing the bear, he's faithful in killing the lion, and then God gave him Goliath. And then he gave him a lot of other things after that. So, there's a procession. There's a procession of trusting God and there's a procession of folks that are gonna follow us through. There's a heritage of faith Yes, there is. We need to live that heritage out for our children and those around us. There's choices of faith. There's an initial choice, but there's a continuing volume of choices for faith. There's rewards of living by faith. There's power over, vic- over fear. There's victory and power over fear and faith. There's the provision of faith. And that's in trusting Christ. And there's, and there's people that will follow us in that. And I pray for you here. I pray that God will lead you. I pray that as, we, as you look around and, and try and trying to decide what God's doing with you all. And working at that in your own families and your flock groups and, and churches of gathered body. That next year, following year, following year. There will be a number of people following you. As you follow Jesus, they follow you. And then they know Jesus, and then other people are following them. What a blessed privilege that is. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your word. Lord, we'd be so lost uh, if we didn't have the instructions of Scripture. We, we, We couldn't get to know you if you hadn't written down for us uh, these wonderful and sacred scripture that we might come to come to know you thank you father for the holy spirit and the still small voice that works within us working on the word of god how your spirit convicts us and leads us and lord this morning i thank you for the joy of the life of faith of trusting You with our lives of of stepping out in a new territory Maybe it's off to college or, 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 or wherever it is. Maybe it's a new job or, or maybe it's a new way of living in your own home that you've never done it that way before. But now you're trying to trust Christ with your life and, and, and so you're stepping out in new territory and maybe you're worried about whether the income will be there or whatever. And Lord, Lord we just thank you and praise you that people can step out in faith and that you'll reward them. You are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. And we thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.